Last week we heard the words of Jesus to the leper that came to him. And he said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And what was Jesus' response to that man? I am willing. Be clean. You know, I can't help but wonder what was going through the disciples' minds after things like this happened, right? We, we read about these stories in Scripture, and we kind of take it, okay, that happened, Jesus has power, and then we kind of just move on. But think just for a moment how you would have felt or what you'd be thinking about if, if someone covered entirely in, in sores and wounds and disgustingness and disease was suddenly and miraculously and completely healed from head to toe. Not a single spot left on the man. I don't think that's something we would get out of our heads very easily, right? Be thinking about that for days and days and days. And I, I can't help but wonder what went through the minds of the disciples as they followed Jesus throughout Galilee. They continued to, to go throughout Galilee and they saw other miracles and they heard other teachings from Jesus. He performed the Sermon on the Mount where he gave all these radical teachings that seemed to go against what they thought traditionally was understood in the law. And then a whole series of parables where Jesus was teaching what the kingdom of heaven was like. And again, if you're one of the disciples, you probably didn't understand everything that Jesus was saying. I mean, if you have these guys who, who are fishermen and, and tax collectors and zealots, not necessarily the, the most educated scholars in the world. I mean, even today, we have a hard time understanding the words of Jesus and the parables and what the kingdom was like, even after hundreds and thousands of years of understanding and learning on these subjects. It's hard for us to fully comprehend what Jesus was teaching in the parables. So I can't help but wonder, as, as Peter's going about, if as he's thinking about this leper and all the things that Jesus is teaching, and then even thinking about his own calling, how one day Jesus was passing along the shore on the Sea of Galilee, and he sees him and his brother working in their boats and, and mending their nets, cleaning their nets, and he tells him, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. So they drop everything and they go with him. And then going a little bit further, Jesus then called uh, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, the sons of thunder as they're nicknamed. But thinking about everything that Jesus did, why did he call a couple of fishermen? Why did he call a tax collector? Why did he call a religious zealot? What, what do these guys have anything to do with the kingdom of heaven coming through the Messiah? So this week we're going to continue our series called Follow Me. Remember, we're looking at Jesus through the eyes of the disciples. And, and specifically, we've kind of zeroed in on, on the apostle Peter. We're thinking about their life, their concerns, their, all the things that they had to deal with, their level of education or complete lack thereof, dealing with the situations of the day, the concerns, the politics, everything through the lens that they were viewing Jesus Christ through. You know, we have a lot of advantages as we read Scripture, as we read the Bible, right? We, we approach Jesus, most of us, especially those who have grown up in the church and who have known Jesus for a long time. When we come to these passages in Scripture, we, we know the whole story, right? We know how this story ends. 
We know the big overview. We know a few basic points. But we have to remember, these, these people didn't know anything about Jesus other than what he was saying to them and what he was showing them right there in front of their eyes. So as we're going through this series, I want us to walk a mile in their sandals or their shoes and imagine what it was like to see Jesus, to hear Jesus, as if we were there ourselves to see and hear what he said. So again, as, as they're going through Galilee, they've gone through, he's taught all these wonderful things, taught about the kingdom of God, and, and you can't help but wonder, what, what sort of man is this, this Jesus? He, he's a man like you. You see him walking around, he eats food, he sleeps, he gets tired. He, he's, but what kind of man is this? You've never seen anybody who can do the miracles he does, who can teach the way he teaches, who knows the things. Where, how does he get all this? Where does it come from? He's just a man. But yet he seems to be so much more to the disciples. And then it's always interesting, too. Jesus will start teaching. He'll start going out. All these people, these great crowds will start gathering. They'll come to hear Jesus teach. And then suddenly, almost randomly, it seems, he'll send them away. Uh, Jesus, if you're trying to spread your good news, whenever the people come, don't send them back home. The crowds would gather, and then after a while, Jesus would send them back home. That was it for that day. It always seems strange, and on one time in particular, uh, mentioned in the book of Matthew, chapter 8, a crowd begins to gather, and then he says to you all, let's go to the other side of the lake, the other side of the Sea of Galilee. So you're on, if you're in Capernaum, you're on the western side of the Sea of Galilee, he's wanting to go to the eastern side, okay? He's wanting to go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. He says, let's go to the other side. Sleep got all this crowd here? Come on, let's get in a boat and go to the other side. So you and the others and Jesus, you all kind of hop into a boat and you head across the way to the eastern side. I guess for y'all it would be this side, the eastern side. And as you all get in the boat and you get ready to go, you kind of keep your eyes on Jesus, right? You're always watching Jesus to see what, what he's up to. You get in the boat, getting everything ready. Remember, you're, you're a fisherman. You know exactly what to do, who needs to go where. You've got three other skilled fishermen with you, your brother James and John also. So you've got all these skilled fishermen with the rest of you there. You're keeping your eye on Jesus, and you notice Jesus gets in the back of the boat, makes himself comfortable on a cushion, and starts to lay down like he's going to go to sleep. Okay, I guess the rest of us will just do the work to get us across. Jesus is just taking a relax, but he's been busy. He's been teaching and performing miracles all day. We're just going to let him relax in the back of the boat. You know, being on a boat feels very at home to you. Again, as I said, as a, as a fisherman, this is all you ever knew. You and your brother are fishermen. You grew up being taught how to fish by your father. This is your entire life is being in a boat. So you're very used to this portion of, of life. You know, that, you know that the water can be unpredictable. The Sea of Galilee, there's storms that happen all the time, and the catch is unpredictable. Sometimes you'd go all night without catching a single thing. But it felt like home to you because you were so used to that unpredictability. That kind of unpredictability on the boat felt like home to you just because you're used to it. But now that you're following this man, Jesus, you don't have the same comforts that you had on the boat. 
you don't know why Jesus is doing the things he do, he's doing. You don't know where he's going to go next. In fact, he doesn't really seem to tell you his itinerary. And then when you ask him things and he explains, you don't even understand his explanations. It's really strange. It, it kind of seems to feel like that following this man Jesus around seems to take absolute faith in his decisions. And you're okay with that. You feel a peace in your heart. But at the same time, you're a little worried that some of the things that Jesus is doing and saying are going to wind up getting y'all into some trouble. Going to wind up leading you into some hard things. But that's okay, right? You're, you've lived a hard life. You know how to survive through the good times and the bad times, the, the times of plenty and the times of want. You, you've made it through all those things. So you have all these things you wonder about in your heart as you're traveling around with Jesus. And in the boat, you're just going along. It's a nice, normal boat ride. Everything's perfectly fine. But then suddenly, a storm arises. Out of nowhere, all of a sudden, these great winds pick up and start beating down on the boat. Water starts splashing over the edge and starts filling the boat up. Just the boat's rocking back and forth. If you can imagine water already splashing in and beginning to fill up the boat, right? You've got a couple of skilled fishermen with you. You've got a couple of guys who've probably hardly ever been in a boat. Try to imagine the chaos that's going on right now. You're looking at your brother saying, hey, grab this, grab that. You see James and John doing what they know they're supposed to do, and the others are just kind of freaking out in the rest of the boat, right? They're just holding on for dear life, probably, probably squealing and squalling like little girls, just afraid for their dear life. Because you know that on the waters that a storm can be deadly. You've been through a lot of storms in your life because you've been on the water all your life. But you know that every single storm has the potential to wind up in death. You know that if that boat goes under, you're probably going under with it. Because you're a couple of miles offshore and you'd have to make it all the way back in this great storm. So the danger is very, very real to you. And as everyone's, this whole scene's going on. you got the wind howling, the, the waves crashing against the boat, water's filling in the boat, everybody's taking care of their business, and you look in the back of the boat, and you see Jesus asleep on his cushion. And in a moment of confusion and panic and you knowing the true dangers, you don't want your rabbi to die. So, so you're going to make your way back to him to go wake him up. He needs to wake up. So you make your way back to him and you go to wake him and you start pleading with him. Teacher, teacher, don't you care that we're perishing? And the others see you and everybody begins to cry out, Lord, Lord, save us. We're perishing. Master, master, save us, save us. It's pandemonium. Think about all the disciples in the boat just hollering and screaming for dear life, and Jesus is asleep. And as all this is going on, you wake Jesus up. Don't you care that we're perishing, Lord? Don't you care? And when he wakes, you see in his eyes there's no confusion. There's no fear. There's no wondering. There's absolute certainty in that man. And he looks at you in the eyes 
And he says, why are you afraid? Oh, you of little faith. Why are you afraid? Uh, The boat has got water coming into it. There's a storm and we're probably all going to die. That's why I'm afraid, Jesus. I don't think Peter necessarily said that to him, but that's the thought that's going through the mind, right? That's what you'd be thinking. That's, this is why I'm afraid. I, what do you mean, why am I afraid? But before you can respond and say what you're thinking to Jesus, he stands up. And with the voice of a man, but the power of God, you hear him rebuke the storm. And you hear him say, peace, be still. And then there was a great calm. The water still, as if no storm had ever been on it. As if no wind had ever blown anything more than gently. What was moments ago a storm that was going to end your life, your friends' lives, and the life of your rabbi is now completely gone. Simply because this man said so. So you all stand in in amazement, just again trying to comprehend what just happened. You were about to die moments ago, and now everything is fine. And turning back to you all in the boat, he says, where's your faith? And dumbstruck and and filled with fear about this because the voice that just calmed the storms has turned to you and spoken directly to your soul. And he said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And your very soul felt pierced by the words he spoke. And the others in the boat, they begin to speak one another. Everyone's kind of marveling and, 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 and doesn't, don't know what to think or understand, like, what's going on? And they begin, what then, how, who then, how, what, everybody, I mean, imagine all these guys just talking over each other, trying to figure it out, what's going on? And then you hear yourself say, what sort of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? What sort of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? Church, I want to tell you what sort of man Jesus is. He is a man, but this man is God. He is God incarnate. He is all of God, the fullness of God in that man, Christ Jesus. And so this story about Jesus calming this storm, it's not just about power and authority, right? It it has those elements. Jesus had the power. He had the authority. But this story is also a testimony 
to Jesus' humanity and his deity. What was Jesus doing right before this storm arose? He's in the back of the boat taking a nap. Who doesn't enjoy a nice nap after a hard day? But once the storm hit and the disciples wake him up fearing for their lives, he has the power, the authority to speak over creation. And creation obeys at his word because he is master and Lord over creation. He's the one who created all of this. You know, but Peter and the disciples, they, they don't understand that yet. You know, they'd, they'd seen his miracles. They'd heard his words. And they believed that he was the one sent of God, but they didn't truly understand who he truly was. They saw the miracles. They heard the teachings. They believed he was sent. But they didn't know who he was. I want you guys to hear a a maskal. comes from the book of Psalms by Ethan the Ezraite. He proclaims the majesty of God like this from Psalm 89. He says, O Lord God of hosts, who is mighty as you are, O Lord? With your faithfulness all around you, you rule the raging of the sea. When the waves rise, you still them. This comes from the book of Psalms in the Old Testament, generations before Jesus had ever stepped foot on this earth, before he was ever born. The book of Psalms tells us that God rules the raging of the sea and that when its waves rise, he stills them. So here's another psalm also. Psalm 107 says it like this. Tell me if you can hear anything that reminds you of Jesus in this. It says, then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still. And the waves of the sea were hushed. They cried and he delivered them. He made the storms be still and the waves were hushed. This psalm is prophetic about Jesus. Do you not see Christ in those things? It's pretty obvious, right, with those. Those are some very specific details about things that God does. And then here we see Jesus walking in those things, exactly. But again, the disciples probably couldn't make that connection like we can right here. All they would have seen in that boat is that this man stood up and commanded creation, and creation obeyed completely. Simply at his word. So I want you all to understand this. Just like to the disciples. That the creator of the universe. The Lord of all things. Has called you by name. And said follow me. The creator of all the universe has called you by name and said, follow me. He's invited you to join him that he may also join 
you. And not only is he with you, right? It'd be enough just to have God with us. That, that alone would be phenomenal. Just to know you have God with you, that you're with God and he's with you, that alone is incredible. But he's with you and he cares about you and he saves you and delivers you. God is not just with you, he's with you and he cares about you. When the leper asked, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And what did Jesus say to him? I am willing. Be clean. You know, there are storms in our life, right? I don't think I have to push this metaphor, metaphor very hard, do I? We all know what I'm talking about when I say storms. And they come from anything in our life that brings trouble to us. They can come from your job. They can come from your financial worries and strife, uh, health concerns. They can come from your family members. They can come from anywhere in your life that brings chaos and disruption. These storms that come into our life. And I've heard a lot of people say it. If you're either, you're either headed into a, you're either in a storm, coming out of a storm, or you're headed into one, right? These storms happen. It's a part of living in the fallen world that these storms are a part of this world. And all of these things that are going on around us, you can feel the pressures and, and the winds crashing against your tiny little boat and the waves splashing in and you feel that at any moment this thing is going down. How can you ever outlast such things? And sometimes you might wonder, Lord, don't you care that we're perishing? Where are you? Are you sleeping, God? Don't you care? We all have those thoughts. I do. We all have those thoughts. When we're going through those terrible times and we are afraid for our lives and afraid that this is finally the thing that's going to overtake us. We have those fears and we say, Lord, don't you care that I'm perishing? And when we have those thoughts and those fears, what I want us to do, rather than question God's love for us, I want us to remember his power, and his concern for us. When we ask those questions, where are you? Why are you letting this happen? What are you going to do about it? Hear the words that Jesus spoke to the disciples. Why are you so afraid? You of little faith, why are you so afraid? When you find yourself tossed in these storms, and you will, if you're not in the middle of one right now, you will be. It's part of life. And I'm not making little of that. I'm saying it's, it's, it's going to happen. And I promise you, if you're in a storm right now, this is not the last one. Because God's going to bring you through this one, and you'll get to the next one. 
But instead of questioning God's love and concern and care for you, trust in him. Trust in the God who loves you. Trust in the God who gave himself up for you. That you could become the righteousness of God in Christ. Trust that he will bring you through the worst of days. That he is your healing. That he is your provider. That he is everything you will ever need. And hear the words that he speaks over the storm. Hear those in your heart and in your soul. Peace. Be still. And let the peace of God that surpasses all understanding come over your life. As the Lord left his disciples in the book of John, he explained to them, he said, My peace I give you, not as the world gives, but my peace I give you. What you need to understand about peace is that peace is not just a state of thinking. Peace is an attribute of the Holy Spirit who has been given to you because of Christ Jesus. As a believer, you have received his spirit. And one of the fruits that his spirit produces in you is peace. You have the peace of God in your soul. And nothing can ever take that away from you. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come to you today, God, and we acknowledge that there's a lot of things going on in this world, God. There's a lot of hurts, a lot of struggles, a lot of storms going on in our our own lives that we don't tell everybody about going on in the the lives of our friends and and our families, going on in this world. God, there's a storm right now going on in Afghanistan. And Lord, we lift our brothers and sisters in Christ to you over there. Lord, we ask you to give them peace. Lord, you have given us your peace. And I pray that instead of focusing on the storms of our lives and worrying about the storms and and, and just thinking about how bad this is going to hurt or how much it's going to cost or what this could take away from us, God, I pray that we would turn away from those things and turn only to you. That we don't trust in in the wind or the waves or the water, but we trust in you, God. Lord, every person in this room is dealing with something. There's so many needs right here in this room. Again, whether it's finances or or physical health or, or, or relationships or friendships or anything, God. There's so many storms. But we have you, Christ Jesus. We have the one true king who can stand over the storm and say, Peace, 
be still. And I pray that we hear those words today, God, and that your peace overwhelms our hearts and our souls and our minds. Lord, again, we lift up Kevin to you during this time, God, as he is continuing to struggle and fight and strain against this disease. God, we pray that you would enable the doctors and the nurses and everybody to to do what they need to do to help Kevin during this time, this storm he's going through, God. We pray that you would speak peace over him and over his family, over the doctors, Lord. And we pray that you would heal him. Lord, and I also lift up others in this congregation who are dealing with other physical ailments, God. I pray that as some are facing the storms of cancer, that you would speak peace over their hearts and souls. And that you would bring healing to their bodies. Lord, as we leave this place today, remind us of your peace. Help us walk in your peace. And help us trust only in you alone. We ask and we pray this all in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior, and our King. Amen. So we're going to go ahead and uh, move into.